What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I am your co-host, Devin Jackson. We will not be joined by our other co-host, Mike Hernishan. He is coming back from uh, being out of town uh, over the last couple of days, and we'll be starting his new job soon. But today I am joined by Nick Price, as we introduced last week. He'll be the third co-host of the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. And like we said, to make sure that we don't have any breaks in between. Uh, But first, before we get into anything, how are you doing today, Nick? Not doing too bad. Um, I just uh, I finished the biggest assignment for the summer class I'm taking. It's the last class I need to finish for my degree, and then I'm officially done with school forever if I so choose. So that's really exciting. Um, Devin, how are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, glad to hear that. Glad that you're almost done with all that. I'm sure you're ready to get back to uh, doing a lot of scouting as am I. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I'm finishing up this project that uh, I told you a little about a bit before a bit about before uh, we uh, got on this podcast, but uh, finishing that up, uh, excited to get that done and uh, get into more players. Uh, but before we get into uh, some of the players we've been watching this week and, and what's, what's been going on, uh, we can talk a little bit about the NFL passing uh, a new rule where teams starting in 2022 will be able to wear some of their alternate uniforms uh, that includes the helmet. Uh, the NFL made a rule for a while that you can change the you can change the helmet. You could you know wear all these different types of uniforms, but the helmet had to stay the same. But uh, as Adam Schefter reported earlier this week, that has changed. And uh, kind of with that, we uh, at Blue Chip Scouting have been doing uh, kind of a, a competition where we have people voting on uh, some of the best uniforms. So uh, Nick, I'll go ahead and bring you back in on this. Uh, what did you think about the rule change and uh, in, in which uniforms you potentially get excited about seeing uh, in 2022? Uh, I'm going to go with the most obvious answer for this. Um, bring back the oiler uniforms, please. On God, I need to see that like again. Listen, I like that for me, like as a Ravens fan, like our old, like alternate uniforms are like kind of, kind of just crap. <laughs> I'm, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, like you could tell like it's an expansion franchise and they're just kind of like, you know, just, all right, guys, let's just throw something at the wall. Hope it sticks. This is a placeholder for a few years. Um, but so I'm not really excited to see Ravens kind of go do a throwback thing. But I have having said that, ironically, I, I would love to see the Titans bring back the uh, Oilers look. That is so, so sick. Just to yeah, see that- like A.J. Brown or Julio or hell, even like Derrick Henry and that old classic like, Oilers helmet. And there's like classic, like blue, white, and red. Yeah, I I remember, uh, I think Chris Johnson, uh, back when the Titans uh, had him around, I remember him wearing that uniform or that being a uniform option in Madden. And that easily is is one of the best uniforms. And I think it's probably going to go on to win. Uh, We're recording this on Sunday, and this is kind of the finale of of our uh, kind of blue chip scouting kind of uniform contest the Oilers uh, have a, a very large advantage right now uh, isn't last like time 50, I, isn't like 53 percent yeah yeah people people Damn. love that uniform <laughs> so uh, I'm not surprised that uh that's uh, at the top for me uh, I would say the Chargers uniforms as well are, are pretty nice the throwback mm-hmm. ones uh, they have even good ones now so I, I don't think they could go wrong with really any uniform uh, combination but the powder blue is definitely uh, definitely a nice look. I think there was a picture of Derwin James uh, last week or, the, or a couple of weeks ago where he was sporting uh, the powder blue and, and it was Ooh. beautiful. 
Um, but, but yeah, that's one of the best too. Uh, I like some of the Eagles throwbacks as well. Uh, I yeah. really don't care too much for their kind of color now. I think they should maybe thinking about uh, go going back to that other green. I think that they look that much better uh, right. for sure. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, the Patriots have pretty good ones, the red yeah. ones uh, as well with the white helmets. Um, Jacksonville. I like Jacksonville. The Jacksonville is to me like, like has always had really consistent uniforms. I've always been a f- big fan of theirs for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because like my high school mascot was the Jaguar too. So. Yeah. yeah I, I really like the, the Jack, the actual Jaguar on, on the helmet. Like it, it wasn't right. like a big, yeah. you know, face, but it was an actual Jaguar. I was, throwback moment fred taylor days uh those early days that uh they had but yeah those those are you know easily some of some of my favorite uh uniforms when i think of that um and i mean even going through the thread here uh, and, and taking a look at that uh the bears had pretty nice ones too they made the final as well the final four yeah. were were the eagles uh the bears chargers and the oilers mm-hmm. um so uh, I, I'm not too surprised about that, but there there were some ones that that had some tough losses. Uh, the Vikings had some pretty good ones too. Uh, yeah. Surprise the Eagles. The Eagles barely edged out the Patriots uh, in the uh, semifinal, fifty two percent to forty eight percent. So that was a yeah. that was a close one too. Um, but yeah, I, I mean it was it was just a fun exercise uh, when you think about some of the, some of the better uniforms that the NFL has deployed over the years. Uh, surprise, the Dolphins uh, didn't make it farther. Um, I yeah. thought for sure that they were going to, um, you know, make it all the way and, and possibly challenge the Oilers, but uh, they somehow fell uh, early on, earlier in the process. But like I said, it's a, it's a fun exercise that, you know, we, we get to take advantage of some of the, uh, you know, uh, uniform combinations that we've seen over the course of the years. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, to do kind of a fun exercise, uh, what are some uniforms that you think need to stay extinct? Other than the Ravens, like like 96 uniforms, um, I'm going to be quite honest with you. This is probably going to piss off our, our boy Ben, but the, the, the classic Seahawks uniforms are just not it. Listen, their their current uniforms are fine the way they are, but like the old ones are just kind of they don't excite me. They just look like they're having the, the life pulled out of them. Um, yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> trying to think, there's some there's some there's some really bad ones out there. Yeah, um, I, I just typed in Google uh, some of the worst uniforms. One of the ones that came up first was. Uh, the old Eagles uniforms uh, that were uh, yellow and, and like light blue. Oh and, yeah, those are awful. Yeah. Oh, that, man. oh or uh, the Steelers bumblebee ones. Yeah, th- those are pretty bad too. I I don't know how anyone enjoys that. It looks like they just slapped the numbers on uh, at the last second and, and forgot that you know you can't have black lettering on yellow and black jerseys. So. That that one was pretty bad. Um, like you mentioned, the Seahawks one was pretty bad, uh, especially the the super neon and like blue that didn't really match the helmet. Uh, yeah. They that was bad. Uh, one one that's also bad is the Green Bay Packers uh, uniform. They just have it's basically a blue uniform, brown helmet, uh, gold pa- like uh, 
kind of a darkish gold pants and they had like the yellow circle uh, in the middle of the jersey. Um, that that was pretty bad as well because it has nothing to do with really what Green Bay looks like now. Um, right. It's so, just more that it's just more because like, oh, it's nostalgic. It's back in the day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But some some of those uniforms need to stay extinct for sure um, because um, they they were they were pretty bad. One other I see on here is uh, I know I've heard some people complain about this one is the uh, Jaguars uniform from a few years ago. The uh, it's kind of the mustard like colored ones. Oh, yeah. I have a hot take. I, I don't think they're that bad. In fact, I actually kind of like them. <laughs> I actually kind of like them too. Uh, I don't think they're nowhere near as bad as, as I think people were trying to lead on. Um, but yeah, I I will say that. And then also, I think I don't know how I feel about the old Bills uniforms, like the early two thousands ones, because they're all right. yeah, they're, they're not bad. But I feel like the change to a white helmet really helped them out because uh, it, it the red helmet didn't do them disservice. And I think they should bring that back for a game or two this year. But mm-hmm. I think that the, what they have now is definitely a, a little bit better. Uh, one more one that, uh, that was, was not good. was the, the Broncos, uh, Denver Broncos throwbacks, not the, not the orange ones, but uh, they had like yellow and Brown throwbacks. Uh, from the 1960s, their original uniforms that were Ew. that were bad. Ew. Yeah, it it was, it was not a good look. That's like, ew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have, I don't even, I don't know how else to react to that other than just ew. Yeah, it it was it was not a a uniform that uh, I think they should bring back at all. Uh, but but yeah, like I said, it, it's it's just a fun exercise to kind of look at some of the old uniforms that. Uh, you know, have popped up over the last 15 to 20 years uh, as throwbacks, but some of them do need to stay extinct. So uh, yes. that I'm, I'm sure they're the players will be uh, very, uh, you know, vocal about which uniforms they want to bring back and which oh, ones sure. they don't. Sure. But now uh, we're going to get into some, some of the, the draft evaluations we had or some of the players that we've taken a look at uh, over the last week or so. Um, I'll let you go ahead and go first, Nick. We can go kind of back and forth one for one. Uh, so, so who have you been watching this week or, or who have you finished evaluations on? So this week I kind of put the, uh, put the finishing touches on like, you know, my initial, uh, run through of the off- offensive tackle group for this class. Um, like I, I try to watch at least 10 guys for like the gen- class in general that I have all the people I have to watch for my, uh, my conferences, um, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday I, I tweeted about this, but I I don't usually like killing players on the timeline because it just, it just looks bad on me because I don't want to think I don't want people to think I'm an asshole, and also I just there's no need. But I will say this though, Tyler Vrabel, who is the one of the tackles from Boston College, thoroughly disappointed me, and I mean thoroughly disappointed me. He's the for those of you not aware, uh, Tyler Vrabel. Tyler Vrabel is the son of Mike Vrabel, who's head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Um, and Boston College off- is offensive line is, you know, between all the guys who, who are notable, is, is, is generally considered to be one of the better offensive lines in college football. Vrabel plays right tackle. Um, I thought his timing with his hands was just wildly, wildly inconsistent. Um, his footwork, kind of the same thing. Uh, he, he really struggles with balance, I thought. You know, he'd lunge at guys. I, he just he he just he just generally looks off balance. 
Um, Rashad Weaver really gave him a fit during the Pittsburgh game um, because we would just kind of stick that, you know, those long arms of his like into his shoulder pads and just drive him off his base. Like he could, he struggled to really anchor versus Weaver. Um, so in that case, I, I gave, I think I gave him, let me go to my scouting report. I believe he has either a fifth or sixth round grade for me. Yeah, he's a fifth round grade for me. So I was a little bit more generous than I thought I was going to be with my grading on him. But um, personally, I think he's maybe a candidate to move inside to guard because he's a little bit uh, – he's pretty explosive in the short area. And, and uh, granted, we, we we can't, you know, obviously judge our you know successfully because we don't have the actual measurables. Um, that being said, he doesn't look like he's particularly, you know, long in the arms, so he might be a more natural fit as a guard. So – yeah, like I said, I'm just kind of disappointed. I, I expected to see a, a little bit better film out of him. You know, maybe he improves this year. Maybe he, you know, he bumps up a couple rounds. You know, I, I like I said, I want to see him improve. Like honestly, I want to see him get better. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I know that was a name that I seen kind of circling around, uh, kind of draft Twitter, uh, towards the end of the last draft draft cycle and early in this one. Uh, so definitely want to check him out for sure uh, in the summer scouting. Uh, thought that you know uh, at least from the live viewings uh, of Boston College that I had last year thought he thought he held up okay but that line you know kind of struggled Uh, you know they there were times where they looked pretty good but there were other times where you know the pass rush was in Phil Jakovic's face immediately so definitely excited to see him and see uh, what he looks like and it's funny because I was actually watching a Boston College player last night also but it was on the other side of the ball uh so uh, someone that kind of caught my eye that I saw on the timeline uh, and it was more of a technique thing more than anything uh was Josh DeBerry uh he's the corner uh, he's a junior corner for uh Boston College uh played uh, most of his snaps I think as an outside corner but uh he also had some uh snaps in the slot as well but uh he kind of he impressed me uh, I I came away impressed with this film because He's one of those players that uh, he kind of reminds me in Greg Newsom on how he kind of attacks uh, okay. from inside leverage. So he's like one of those guys. He, he plays. He played a lot of off man. I, I think Boston College just in general plays a lot of off man coverage. Um, but he's one of those guys that he's on top of those in routes quickly. Uh, he lines generally uh, kind of inside shade of the receiver. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and he has the ability to click and close, uh, can can transition pretty well uh, on on the long routes. Um, and he sits on those in breaking routes a lot. And I don't know if it was a schematic thing because uh, I, I saw that a lot uh, in North Car- against North Carolina. Uh, obviously, he was guarding a lot of Deami Brown. But what I know is is that uh, he he really reacts quickly. Uh, he transitions pretty quickly. He's not one of those guys that. Uh, you know, loses false steps when uh, coming to balance, uh, you know, when he's breaking down on outside, he, he can close pretty quickly. There were a couple of plays where he was like a second, like a hair second or too late from breaking up the pass, but he was still there to, to make the tackle and come to balance. I think he struggles though, uh, shedding blocks on the outside though. Uh, he's one of those players that not really interested <laughs> too much in the, in the run game uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of pretty much Olay's uh, on, on the outside. It doesn't uh, make a, a, you know, a significant effort to, to get off blocks and, and make plays in the backfield. But 
in terms of coverage, I think he's at his best on off man. Uh, there are times though he over anticipates routes or he uh, tries to uh, break quickly on on routes and, and that leaves him kind of susceptible uh, to double moves like uh, you know those quick post corners, uh, post outs. Uh, he 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 did get beat a few times on that, and uh, you know I, I would like to see a little bit more ball ball uh, production from him as well because he he has ability. He's usually in position to make plays. I think he only gave up on four catches on like 43 targets last season. Um, I think I saw that in a graphic. I need to check that uh, in terms of stats and, and uh, confirming that for sure. But he didn't get targeted a whole bunch. Um, you're, and that's kind of credit to how well he closes and is able to get hands on and, and immediate close, immediately close on, on those in, in and out breaking routes. Um, and I think another year of production and development, I think he'll get even better. Uh, but when, he was out on the field. He was guarding the best player. Uh, he was matched up a lot against Diami Brown, against North Carolina, against Clemson. He was matched up a lot on Amari Rogers. So he would go in the slot, match up with him. He would uh, win Amari Rogers line up on the outside. He would match up with him. Uh, and, and he did a pretty good job. There was a play uh, that uh, was, a, was a corner that uh, Amari Rogers ran. And uh the Barry was actually able to undercut, undercut that route and nearly intercept the ball um, that, that was thrown. And that was a game that Trevor Lawrence missed. But uh, he looked really good in that Clemson game. Uh, watched a little bit of his Notre Dame game as well. Uh, Notre Dame, as we know, wasn't necessarily a real dynamic passing team uh, with Ian Book as, as a starter. No, but uh, he, he impressed me. I think he's uh, I think he'll probably get a, a fourth or fifth round grade for me just because. I really didn't see much out of him, you know, in terms of tackling uh, as well as, uh, you know, defending the run or, or getting off of blocks. I think he could be a little bit better um, in, in terms of not biting on on those fakes and, uh, you know, going for uh, those uh, inside moves. I think he, he takes away the inside really well. I think he'd be a little, little better closing on the outside, a little quicker. And I think that'll come with more reps. Uh, and feel for the game, but I, I think he, he's one of those guys I think you, you should watch uh, for for sure uh, in the summer and then could be a riser in the cornerback class. Obviously, it's incredibly deep. Andrew Booth uh, sits atop as one of the, the best, if not the best, ACC corner right now, but I, I think I think the Barry has a chance to to really rise the draft, draft stock, and, and even if he doesn't go this year, I think he could be a, a very solid candidate for the Senior Bowl uh, next season. Well, I will certainly have to add him to my ever-growing list of corners, which is currently not at uh, DeBerry's on here. is about about thirty-six people. Yeah, it, it, there's a lot of corners in this class that uh, that are you know pretty good. You know, obviously, yeah. uh, you know, like, like we talked about at the time, they got Darian Kendrick and Andrew Booth and mm-hmm. Derek Stingley. Uh, you know, uh, guys like that that uh, have already stand out. You know, stood out. But I know you got a Garner on tap soon here. Oh, it's going to be checking I'm excited. out. I'm excited. Him and I'm uh, his teammate, Kobe Bryant, which elite name, by the way, uh, for a corner, for being honest. Um, anyway, kind of moving back to tackle, because like I said, I I didn't get a chance to watch too many guys this week because I've been, you know, busy as hell. Um, but regardless, um, speaking of players who also share names with famous uh, basketball stars, Chris Paul, the other tackle from Tulsa. I think I talked about his teammate, uh, Wow, that's that's bad. I'm blank on his name. Tyler Smith. 
last week. Um, but uh, no, Paul, uh, in comparison to like Smith's tape, Paul was like a little bit underwhelming, but he's still, I think he's a pretty solid player. Um, I believe he also uh, received a fifth round grade from me. Yes, he did. So um, Paul's of like, he, from, the biggest thing with him is that I think he plays incredibly physical. Um, he's also probably another one of those guys like Vrabel, who I think could be, uh, have more success inside a guard. Um, which isn't a bad thing. Cause you know, you always need guards. Um, but no, he, uh, he, I thought he was, uh, very physical on the outside. He can get a bit overzealous. He kind of has the same issue that Rashid Walker has where he gets a bit overzealous and he kind of tends to, you know, fall on his butt a little bit. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, to, to ask him to hone it in a little bit, you know, um, I thought he was a very, a pretty solid athlete. I mean, he, he'd get, I mean, my Jai Sanders gave him a little bit of trouble, you know, because my is just a, a phenomenal athlete. So he kind of struggles with guys who are, you know, super athletic, who were really good with speed. Um, other than I thought his, you know, his hand placement was pretty solid. He gets a nice good, he gets a really good initial punch, um, plays pretty smart. He's looks like really, he was, I think he was really comfortable picking up stunts and twists. So that's, you know. That's fine. Um, like I said, I think he's probably a guard at the next level. Um, I like to see where he improves this year, um, if at all. So, yeah. Sorry, it's I couldn't I couldn't offer as much as a offer much as him as like Devin Kill with a DeBerry, but no, they're not. It's fine, man. Uh, to me, it's like you know, I I mean, some of those those guys that you're watching, I mean, they're they're probably not going to get drafted so uh, like, I mean, likely not yeah so it's, it's like you know it, it's kind of hard because it's like you want to see so much good in a player you know you want right. to see kind of that potential and whatnot and that's kind of what summer scouting is about because like you know I, I kind of focus like obviously I understand what where players weaknesses are and what they may struggle with uh, I kind mm-hmm. of try and focus on some of the positives I think uh, yeah, for summer scouting because like you know it's not a final evaluation you know things could improve they can improve upon it on the season you know it, it's one of those things where you know you you try to find something you know with someone because I feel like definitely every player obviously not every player is going to make it to the NFL not every player is going to be a main contributor but there's a reason that they're there you know what I'm saying so trying right. to figure that out is always the hardest part so to me you know giving a breakdown it, it can be you know five minutes long it could be two it could be one and a half you know it just you know it just really depends on the player and who you're watching but I do want to give a shout out to Tyler Fornis because all, no was it Dante I think it was Dante it's either Dante or Tyler but all prospects are guards so yeah <laughs> let's keep let's yeah. keep that thing rolling for, for oh, yeah, 2022 definitely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, like I said, he's, he's, there's a lot of tackles I feel like are, that are playing out of position uh, because of yeah. need, you know, of necessity. Yeah. So, I mean, even uh, like I said, even the project I've been working on that I told you about before the show, mm-hmm. there were a lot of guys that play tackle in college that move in the interior uh, because yeah. either one, the team already has their tackles set in stone or two, they just have better upside as a guard or as right. a center. So to me, only a certain amount of athletes can play tackle. So I, I don't, I do not uh, fault anyone that that suggests that maybe them moving a guard or moving in the interior would help because I think, you know, that that's, that's going to be a ceiling for a lot of guys. Guards, 
I think we're at a point where guards are starting to become more important, but they're still at a replaceable level. So you can still move guys down and still potentially extend their career or even right. uh, even uh, heighten their career. So I, I have no problems with that. Uh, but moving on to, to a guy that I've talked about twice this week already, and I'm going to continue to talk about him because I he's easily one of my favorite prospects uh, on, on the defense so far this season is Keanu Benton, the Wisconsin uh, defensive tackle. Uh, I talked about him on Big Shots Extra as well as on uh, Draft Nut uh, Extra as well. But to me, it's now that I got Dante uh, Colinelli, our, our director of scouting at Blue Chip Scouting, on board with him now, I feel like I'm obligated to talk about him two to three times a week now. But I'm excited about him because he really shows a, that nimble ability as a nose tackle. He's massive. He's right. like six. I think four, six, five, three thirty, three thirty-five. He's massive, um, and he definitely makes an impact in the running game. I think against Illinois, uh, he really took it to Kendrick Green, and and Kendrick Green was highly regarded among uh, a lot of draft analysts, especially later in the draft process, uh, as yeah, a potential no. uh, day two pick. Um, yeah, he was the third round for me. I think if I remember correctly, something like that. But uh, Benton really took it to him in that game. Uh, he, he was beating him across his face. Uh, he was pushing him back in, into the backfield. Uh, he plays with a lot of play strength. Um, really someone that uh, if he continues to improve his pass rush ability and pass rush flashes, uh, there's no reason he couldn't be a day two pick uh, next year. Uh, that's how good he is. Um, and, and to me, it's like, I feel like he's kind of on par with Jordan Davis. Like they really have natural ability. I think Davis is a little bit more athletic. Uh, right. Because every time I think of Jordan Davis, I think about that play. He chased down uh, Desmond Ritter in the, the uh, I believe it was the Sugar Bowl. No, not the Sugar yeah, it was Bowl, the, 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 the Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl, yeah. But yeah. I, I think about that play all the time because it's like, there's no way a man that's 330 pounds should be opening his strides like that and, and damn right. near chasing down Ritter. But I feel like Benton is kind of in that same elk where he still has some development left to go. He's not completely a refined player. He dealt with some injuries last year as well. Only played 173 mm-hmm. defensive snaps. Um, and he was taken off the field often on third downs um, for Isaiah Loudermilk and kind of a, a faster, more nimble uh, pass rush package, but uh, on the early downs, first and second downs, he was making plays uh, in the backfield, and and he was he was showing some pass rush ability as well. Uh, he has a really nice spin move. Uh, uh, he has a nice swim move as well. So he, he uses that a lot in in pass rush uh, reps. He also just bull rushes players straight into the backfield. So I think he's one of those players that can rise in this draft class uh, upcoming. I really don't know too many names off the top of my head of defensive tackles um, because obviously the the Marvin Leal and uh, George Karlaftis are kind of interesting prospects because they can play as outside rushers, but they also have some uh, upside in the interior as well. Right. So I think that they're they're more of like, you know, can do a little bit of both. But I think uh, as a straight-up nose tackle, I think Benton should uh, – you know, if, if you're ranking them separately, I think he should be in a top five discussion, if not, uh, you know, top two, 
top three or four. Uh, Haskell Garrett also comes to mind as a, as a pretty good defensive tackle as well. But I, I think he and Jordan Davis as well. I think Deontay Wyatt has some upside too for Georgia. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, I think Benson could, could round out the top five and be, be a, a pretty good nose tackle in the NFL. Yeah, it's also important too because, like, after you mentioned, like, after uh, Leo, like, it, I mean, and, and Garrett, maybe, like, there's not too many, or, or Davis, there's not too many, like, big name guys. Like, I remember, like, like, last year's defensive tackle class was generally speaking, not, you know, not anything special, you know, and it, it's kind of the uh, early on, it's kind of been the, 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 you know, build that's been put on this defensive tackle class too. So, I mean, I just I'd added I just added Benton to my watch list naturally, so uh, you know I'm definitely I'm definitely like excited to look at, like at him like in, you know into the season because I mean I know I have my guys at the position you know that I like that I think could really take over you know I know I know uh, Andrew Harbaugh is a real big fan of Thomas Booker from Stanford who's also somebody who could really rise um, so I mean it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see that you know like you know who who, you know, rises to the top, you know, who can make, you know, make a stand-up performance, you know, who could really boost their stock this season. And I think, like, you know, outside of Leo and Garrett, you know, or Davis, I think, you know, there's a, a lot of, like, room for guys to kind of make a name for themselves. So it's kind of exciting to see. Yeah, it's one of those classes that, uh, like you said, it's, it's going to be another class that doesn't have anyone really at the top. I mean, we haven't seen a dominant defensive tackle really at the top since, what, Derek Brown a couple years ago. Um, yeah, they ended up going top 10. So I don't think I don't know if we're going to get that with this class. I think maybe we get maybe a, a few more Christian Barmores who, uh, mm-hmm. you know, players that flash athletic ability and, and whatnot, but aren't necessarily, um, you know, the most consistent um, or or the most dominant. But but they do have their flashes. But I, I think, you know, like I said, you know, obviously you, you mentioned a few more names as well. Thomas Booker and some other guys. Um, I mean, really, we're going to wait till 2023 with Brian Grease and some of those other guys already in that class uh, that uh, will be probably one of the top off the board, you know, if not the top. So I think that that's when we're really going to see a a dominant uh, 2023 class uh, of defensive tackles. But even with this one, there's a few guys that, that could probably rise up to the first round. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um. Also, another guy I think I mentioned last week that you talked about, like like versatile guys, Zach Carter from Florida. <laughs> have to yeah. have to rep my have to rep my my guy once again. Um, but no, yeah. Um, so I don't think I have any more of the prospects to talk about. Um, me, I mean, I mean, I do I want to talk about like Thayer Mumford or Rasheed Walker? Maybe, maybe. I mean, I know that Thayer Mumford is getting some uh, some hype. Um, I know that I, I saw him uh, ranked uh, among, I think it was Kyle Krabs' uh, top 10, the Big Ten uh, prospects he's watched so far this summer. Um, so so you, you might as well drop those thoughts, man. I mean, I, I mean, Kyle's a smart guy. I, mean, I, I couldn't really understand like why he would like Thayer Mumford. I, I mean, I have an early fourth on him, so I don't like dislike him. It's just that I just thought he was a bit undisciplined. You know what I mean? Like I thought he was, you know, really, if he, thought he, had, he was, I thought he was a pretty good mover. Um, 
I thought he displayed some pretty good, some pretty good power behind his hits. I just think he's a little bit undisciplined of like with his placement and like how he uh, anchors and how he, you know, resets his, uh, his stance a little bit. So, um, and then Walker is somewhat similar, except I think he's a bit farther along than I think Mumford is. Um, Walker's like, I thought Walker was a, was a pretty good athlete overall. Um, really big, like long arm guy. Like he's, and I kind of touched on earlier when I was talking about Vrabel is that he kind of gets, no, Smith was Tyler Smith who, uh, where he kind of gets a bit overzealous and he, you know, loses balance again. I, I know, uh, when Dante was talking about him in our little, uh, in our, you know, scouting meetings, he kind of mentioned the same thing. I'm like, and I want, I don't, when I, and when I went to go watch Walker, I'm like, oh, okay, I see that too. So, yeah. 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 Um, I haven't watched Thayer Mumford uh, sitting down. I think prime more watching him in passing because I watched so much of the offensive line over the last right. few years uh, with Myers and uh, Wyatt Davis. I'm trying to think of uh, Jonah Jackson, Jackson as well. Yeah. Um, so he's kind of been someone I've seen in passing. I thought he was more of the lower end in terms of how he stacks up to those guys. I think while, yeah. you know, he, he showed some, some promise and, and showed some ability. I think he's, he's definitely someone that needs a little bit more development and needs a strong year to, to really, uh, you know, be con- considered a, a top three, four round pick. Uh, but I know that, you know, there are people that like him and, and like you said, you know, Kyle Krabs at uh, the draft network is definitely a, a guy that uh, we both respect. A lot of people respect in the business. So definitely. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued to, to look more into that and uh, get more into the offensive line. I really haven't watched too many offensive linemen uh, just yet. I kind of focus on a lot of defense, safeties, uh, defensive tackles, corners, but uh, getting to the offensive line will be, will be interesting. I know, uh, you know, a player that uh, seems to be uh already a consensus first round type guy, even though I think he, he still needs some improvement like Evan Neal, uh, a guy like Evan Neal. I think yeah. um, seeing a lot of him in a lot of first round mocks, see him a lot in the top 10, top 15. Uh, didn't really see that too much with this tape, but I need, like I said, I need to go back and watch one more time. Cause like, it's interesting that with scouting prospects, you end up watching a lot of the same games over and over. And it's like, mm-hmm. I wish I was that type of person that could be able to watch so many players at once, like be able to just sit down and be like, okay, let me go through, watch this guy and this guy and this guy. And it, I feel like it'd just be too much trying to do so. So I end up watching the same games, like the North Carolina Boston college game, watching for like the fifth time for a different person, you know, right. uh, watch for Deami Brown, watch for, uh, you know, Sam Howell, obviously Michael Carr, Javante Williams. So it's like, you watch for so many different guys. You don't even, uh, you know, notice some people on the other side of the field or someone that you may have missed in passing. So I thought that was interesting for sure that I feel like I'm watching the same games every week. Like it's, it's that was, crazy. That was my problem. Like in 2020, like having to watch the uh, Auburn uh, Oregon game a billion times, because, you know, you had the entire, Oregon offensive line with Calvin Throckmorton, Jake Hansen, uh, Shane Lemieux. And I think, wasn't there like one other guy there other than Penesol? Uh Maybe. I can't, I, I can't think of him right now, though. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, and then on the opposite side of the ball, you had like Marlon Davidson, Derek Brown, Big Cat Bryant, because I know he was, he almost came out like, like a year or two ago. Um, you know, no Igbenogany, like those guys. So like, I, 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 
unfortunately had to see that game quite a bit because for and, and Devin Devin's laughing because he he knows the reason why that's unfortunate because it's it's uh, everyone's first exposure to Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, a roller coaster <laughs> for sure, and he still definitely. Is. Um, I'm not excited to watch him this summer. Uh, I know I got to do it for my due diligence and right. just to to have that on file and, and know what I'm looking for. Uh, right, but boy, I'm not not <laughs> ready for that one. I don't think I am because I think I'm going to be all quarterback uh, backed out like after I get through my, my guys for the AAC and CUSA. So, I mean, I've already kind of like, you know, put a little asterisk against guys that I really want to hit. Um, and then Bo Nix is certainly not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, 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 I think <laughs> like after I watch like, like Matt Corral, like I, I think I'm going to be like, yeah, all right. I, I think I'm done with a bunch of, with uh, with really uh, those those wild uh, wild style of quarterbacks for a little bit. Well, uh, thinking. Well, you mentioned Matt Corral. Uh, so part of our Big Shots Extra episode, uh, Harbs asked us uh, if we were an NFL GM and our like job was on the line, uh, would you take Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral as your quarterback? Ooh. So. I'll let you go ahead and answer that. Uh, me and Mike already did, and I can tell you my answer after after you say yours. But uh, yeah, it, it was a it was an interesting discussion. Having watched Ritter, because I, I admittedly I haven't done a deep dive into Matt Corral yet. I just like I said, like I've only watched him in passing because I've had to watch the Arkansas uh, uh, Ole Miss game a lot last year. Um, damn. I, I know Matt Corral's decision-making is something else. But I think he's – a I, I just watching him and passing out of my periphery, like I, I, I want to say he's comfortably more accurate than Desmond Ritter. Like does, you know, there, there's, there's aspects of Desmond Ritter's game that I love. Like, you know, I didn't, his, his, his mobility, his ability out of structure. Um, I thought, you know – he he has average placement, but there's times where like you can really see like okay, you know he flashes a couple times with his ball placement. And I'm like okay, there's there's something to, there's something to work with here. And I think his arm his arm strength is pretty good. It's just the fact that he's just so wildly inconsistent with his accuracy that I don't know if I'm willing to bet my my job on that. And where I think and just my you know layman's uh, uh, viewing of. Matt Corral, I think while his decision making is 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 wild, like like completely like I think he's an actual psychopath sometimes. <laughs> um, I, I I'm I think I I'd, I'd go with Corral over Desmond Ritter. Yeah, that's what we both said. Uh, it, it was mainly because of how inaccurate Desmond Ritter is and how uh, right. volatile his his ball placement is. I think with Matt Corral, it's more of like he he's so confident in his arm that he will throw it no matter what. Like once he yeah. makes that decision to throw the ball, it has to go there. You know, that that's kind of his <laughs> mentality because like he makes like ridiculous throws. Like there is a pass. I think I posted a couple months ago where the ball is like probably like an inch or two from being intercepted. And it's a deep pass. Right. right. Like he, he, he can have some of the most ridiculous placement like there's a play, he manipulates the pocket and he like is not even looking at his receiver. He's like looking here and throws it like back across his body 
over the middle of the field. So he is arrogant arm talent. Like where he will, mm-hmm. he knows there are throws he can make that a lot of players cannot make. And a lot of football, a lot of quarterbacks can't make, but I mean, 13 of his 14 interceptions came against LSU, uh, Auburn and uh, Arkansas. So yeah. that's concerning. <laughs> that's concerning yes, that definitely. the majority of his games are, or the majority of his turnovers come in, in three games. But uh, when he's making good decisions, I think he's he's the better quarterback. Ritter is still work in progress. He's really a three- to four-year project, in my opinion, where you're going to yeah. have to really hone in on his accuracy um, and and really bet that he, he can be that type of player that can be dynamic. I mean, he has a dynamic mm-hmm. arm, but it's nothing when you don't have ball placement and accuracy. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on that because that was a question that uh, – took us a bit to to answer because like they both have their downsides they both mm-hmm. have big arms but it's more about who you prefer and, and what you are more comfortable with and I think you know Corral's well I think Ritter's floor floor is higher than Ritter's I mean no no Ritter's floor is higher than Corral's because Corral could straight up just end up out of the league within two to three years with how volatile he is <laughs> yeah um <laughs> You know, the ceiling, I think, is, is a, a little bit better for, for Corral because, you know, if he can really uh, improve on on those uh, turnover concerns, he can be a really good quarterback. Yeah, and I think, like, in terms of, like, you know, where I would potentially take either one of them, I think Corral, given, obviously, his flaws, I, I would consider taking him end of round one, early round two, maybe. Grant, is, Grant I want to make this clear. This is without me actually doing a deep dive on his tape, so I could sound like an actual idiot. Um, but where with Ritter, I mean, early round four, late round three, I think I'd, I'd pull the trigger there definitely because, you know, if he flames out, you know, you didn't really give up too, too much for him. Right. You know, but then again, yes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting paid to make that decision. So <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a tough call either way. Yeah. Another quarterback that, uh, that got mentioned was Caleb Ellaby, uh, someone that Ooh. Corey Kennan, uh, yeah. has been, been a Hype. big proponent on so really he, he asked there. us uh if we were going to join the Caleb Ellaby train so I'll go ahead and ask you that uh, are you uh looking to to board that train um listen I'm a pretty open guy uh, there's not much I won't stick my nose up at so if listen if he, if he impresses me on tape then like Corey my guy I'm with you on that all right I mean the idea of a, of a you know hyping up a Mac quarterback. It really just, it, it really does something for me. <laughs> Listen, so, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent for hyping up small school quarterbacks. Definitely, I love that definitely. shit. It's definitely, there is no reason they should be getting any first round talk, but I think it's funny to throw their name in the mix. Cause I definitely did that last summer with Levi Lewis. Uh, I also did that uh, with Akil glass who actually may be uh, maybe a mid-round quarterback uh, in this draft class if things pan out. I hope so. <laughs> Eric Bieri, uh as well uh, from Eastern Washington is someone uh, that I think is – he looks like a Teddy Bridgewater clone. He looks like – because he has – he wears yeah. two gloves. Um, but, you know, Levi Lewis really didn't pan out. They called him poor man's uh, Kyler Murray last summer. And then he proceeded to have a, a, a bit of a disappointing uh, 2020 season. So 
you know, it, you got to be careful. I know there was a lot of hype uh, around, uh, I'm trying to think of, what's his name? Uh, the Kent State quarterback. No, is oh, Kent- uh, Dustin Crum? Yeah, he got a lot of hype as well. Uh, yeah. Last summer, and really even this this draft class, a lot of people are still mentioning him. Uh, I don't yeah. think, I don't think he's quite there. Uh, I think he's probably more the late round, maybe UDF, UDFA priority guy. Uh, just based off my live viewings of him, I think he mm-hmm. looked a l- little less impressive in 2020 than 2019. Um, again, granted, you know, I, I kind of take 2020 with a grain of salt because I mean it it was a yeah it was, yeah it was a it was a year <laughs> it was a year, <laughs> it was a year. Um, you know based on the lack of time during like training camps you know kind of all the COVID regulations whether or not they will have football there was only like a four game sample size for a lot of these guys right so I take it with a grain of salt but small school quarterbacks always have my heart man it, it's just one of them has to break through just one of them right just you one. know because I don't know who it is, who it's going to be. I mean, maybe it's Ellaby, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I know it's not going to be like Levi Lewis or Dustin Crumb. Maybe it's Akil Glass. Maybe it's, uh, you know, uh, Berrier from Eastern Washington. I don't know. But, you know, it's fun throwing dartboards at a quarterback. So, I mean, I threw a dartboard at, at Dorian Thompson Robinson, and it just blows up in my face every year. So, <laughs> I mean, hey, maybe this maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. I would hope. I would hope. I, I I wrote a whole article why he should be a top ten quarterback in in last year's class. I think he would have been, uh, just based on how how weak it was after like six or seven, but right. it just was not in the cards for him last year. No. So, and why don't we go ahead and do this exercise? Is there a quarterback you're already throwing a dart at that may not even be? you know, even close to a top round talent, but you just love and, and will go to bat for every day. Cause I mean, Caleb Ellaby is like I said, Corey's guy. Uh, I have a guy in mind, but I, I, I'm curious to know if you have a guy. I'm looking at my, my quarterback list right now. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I'm not usually like, like a big quarterback guy to begin with. It was always one of my weaker positions. Like I've you know, like, I've had trouble scouting with in the past. Like I've just never like you know, thought about it like it, in that that much. I, you know, I, I, you know, before like the year started. Um, part of me wants to it, it, like appease that 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 fan base of Malik Willis people, even though he's you know kind of becoming that that top guy to some people, some guys. Um, but uh, maybe Dylan Gabriel from UCF. I know Ryan Roberts is kind of like into him. I think he gave him like a third round grade, something mm. like that, if I remember correctly. Um, but I know I, I kind of I think I killed I think I killed Dylan a couple weeks ago in our group chat. Well, I think I think I was watching the game versus Temple, where mm. he I think he was just like throwing it like like haphazardly in the double coverage. I was just kind of getting mad at him. Um, but he you know he took over from I think Mackenzie Milton after. Milton had that just gruesome injury, yeah. Which he's come back from, thank God. So um, now, like Gabriel, like I don't think his arm strength is really there. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's like you know, you you can't field him. Like he, you know, he he's he has average to you know slightly above average arm strength. It's just that 
I, I just, I don't know how well, like, you know, his skill sets will translate to the NFL, but like, I mean, if he, you know, if he shows that he can like you know, protect the ball a bit better, make a little bit better decisions this year, I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. he, he, maybe he, maybe he's a guy you could, you consider taking at the end of round, you know, three or whatever. Um, but I just think he's kind of a wild card. And I think the UCF offense can kind of mask some of his like your, your shortcomings. Yeah. Cause it's, it's relatively simplistic. I mean, they they have they have nothing but speed guys out there. Pretty so. much, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> watching their because I've I watched I watched our offense mainly, uh, obviously for Marlon Williams last year, uh, but right. also for the defenses that went against him. So, like, I watched the Cincinnati games a couple couple times. Obviously for James Wiggins, um, even watched it for uh, the other safety, uh, Derek Forrest, uh, and yeah. then. Uh, I did preliminary viewing with Ahmad Garner in that game as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously uh, Jacob Harris was another guy that uh, right. I found late in the process and ended up really liking. And obviously he's with the Rams now impressing already, but yeah, their offense is, <sighs> I don't love it. I really don't Neither love do their I, offense I mean, because it's they're... like they spread, they spread the receivers out so far. It's like the, mm-hmm. the outside receivers on the top of the numbers and then the inside receivers like, outside the hash so it's like right there's a lot of open field there and you have to make so many long throws like he hasn't made so many like long comebacks and outs and yeah because they because i when i watch jalen robinson that's how they used him like they, they just try to get him like vertical and even then like they they try to like get, get the ball in his hands let him create yards after the catch too so i mean like they're asking D- dylan gabriel to like like really like you know, throw the ball downfield. And granted, it, it, some of it does kind of cover up the fact that, you know, some of his decision-making sometimes, but at other times, like, it really exposes the fact they really make him, like, you know, really push the ball downfield a lot, so. Yeah, it feels like a lot, of their, a lot of their plays are, like, manufactured, uh, like, right. deep passes. You know, because there will be double coverage, and he still is just chucking it downfield. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just, just for no reason. <laughs> like there's yeah. no, he has no business just doing on like a second and five. He just chucks it downfield yeah. just for the hell of it. So yeah. And, and Jalen Robinson's fast, but like, that's just not, that's just not a, a generally smart decision though. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm for me uh, in terms of Darbor quarterbacks, I really do want McKenzie Milton to, uh, to really thrive because I did right. I did a piece on him in November, uh, right around the time, like right after he signed with uh, Florida State uh, and, and decided to transfer to them. And, you know, I kind of broke down this film, some of what he's good at, what he's not so good at. And it was so hard going through their offense because it masked his ability to make long throws because he, he just can't. He's just not a person that's going to be able to throw the ball from the opposite hash and right. make it an accurate pass. It it just dies. You know, his balls mm-hmm. dies just down, just tanks. But he's he's really good out, outside of structure. Uh, he, he can obviously make the long throws. Uh, he, he doesn't have overwhelming arm strength, and I think it's partly because of, I think, his motion. I think it's, it's not as compact as you would like it. Uh, it's very, like, rigid, very stiff. You know, it, it's not one of those ones like he extends all the way back. It's like very just, just quick, like shot putting almost. Right. So I, I think that, you know, that he may struggle uh, 
getting drafted uh, because he, he just doesn't have that natural arm talent. But he's one of those guys as probably a game manager at the next level. If he gets the opportunity, he's not right. going to, you know, he, he's more of a leadership type guy, you know, kind of that character guy that you want in the locker room. But uh, outside of him, Devin Leary is someone that I've been hyping up really since last season uh, during the year. Uh, NC State quarterback only played in four games uh, after he, uh, I think he broke his leg uh, trying to slide um, against yeah. was that Duke. Maybe it was against somebody. I think I think it was Duke, but yeah, they lost him for the season. And uh, as me and Mike talked about Bailey Hockman, who is now in your conference. <laughs> Good luck I'm not that. watching him, by the way. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I'm, I'm yeah. going to save myself from that. So he took over, but uh, I, I really like Devin Lear, and I think it's because he has really good ball placement, accuracy, uh, can push the ball down the field. He doesn't have a super strong arm. It's not going to blow you away with arm talent. Doesn't really uh, provide you a whole bunch outside of structure, but I think mm-hmm. for what he is, I like him. Uh, I really want him to play a full season one and then two, uh, continue to rise. They have some weapons there. Uh, Mecca Mezzi, Devin Carter on the outside. I got a, a a nice running back trio with Ricky Persons and Zonovan Knight, so they they got some weapons there uh, that he could work with. So I, I really hope that he can he can improve and uh, be that that guy that maybe talk about as a mid round quarterback. I don't think he has enough juice to to be a first round quarterback, but I think he he's definitely intriguing and, and someone uh, that probably have a preliminary uh, fourth fifth round grade just just for mm-hmm. the lack of sample size. Uh, but I, I do like what I see from him. Yeah. Yeah. Like outside of him, like I, I know Tanner Morgan was a guy for some people last summer, but th- that, that kind of died rather quickly. And I don't, I don't want to you know p- put my faith in Tanner Morgan again. Um, another guy that I've, I've, you know, bring up Corey again is uh Connor Basilak from Mizzou. I've heard him and, a, him and a couple of other people kind of hype him up, so I'm kind of to see where that go that trajectory goes. Um, and then I think one of the most obvious candidates for a potential you know, guy you know you want to you know put all your chips on is Embry Jones from Florida. Granted, they they lost some some pieces this year, mm-hmm. obviously with a Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony leaving, but like you know, Jones could very well easily you know you know play his ass off this year and get get to that top quarterback conversation. So we'll see. Yeah. He has a dual threat ability that uh, typically bodes well, uh, especially with kind of the, the recent quarterbacks that have gotten the mm-hmm. first round. So I, I could definitely see that, you know, um, it's been quite a while since we had a, a, a true top prospect at a quarterback for Florida. I'm sorry. The Kyle Trask fans, he was not a top prospect. No. I, I hate to hate to do. I understand he went <laughs> second round for the bucks. Sure. Whatever. But I, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> but it's been a while since they had that that true top quarterback prospect. So they're they're starving for one. Uh, I mean, LSU, Alabama have already had one recently. So I think it's it's time for Florida to potentially have one. So maybe he yeah. takes that next step and is able to do so. We'll we'll see. But, you know, quarterback class is wide open. A lot a lot of positions in, in this class. Uh, is is wide open for now. I think corner receiver and and maybe the edge class is the one that pretty much we kind of know who the top guys are. The rest of it is pretty open. Right. Running back class too. Uh, quarterback yeah. class, you know, is kind of up in the air. And um, 
even even a tackle class to some degree. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's just uh, there's there's talented guys at the top, but it's really who you prefer and who you think will have a good enough season to, to be that first tackle off the board. Because we know someone is going to get drafted in the top ten as a tackle. It's it's just the nature of what's happening now in the mm-hmm. NFL. So. But Ain't this I, fun? Yeah. This all just fun. Because <laughs> we literally have no clue, do we? No. Nah, we we're, we have it's, no clue. It's a lot of dart throws. It's a lot of seeing potential in guys and then just, just going with it and, and seeing who can who can be the next one. So, Right. But uh, I think that'll do it for the this episode of the, the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. You can follow Nick on Twitter at PriceCheck3. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MikeH underscore Draft. Uh, you can follow the show at uh, Big Shots Pod on Twitter as well. You can subscribe on Apple and Spotify and, and leave us a review. Uh, check Blue Ship Scouting for all of our latest scouting reports. Uh, we have some going up almost every day. Uh, in and today and over the weekend, we're, we're starting to uh, feature some of uh, some of the articles we've written over the past week and some of the scouting reports we've done. So be sure to check that out. Follow uh, Blue Chip Scouting on Twitter at Blue Chip Scout. Uh, also check out, um, like I said, our, our scouting report, our YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram as well, Blue Chip Scouting. Uh, we have so many plugs to give now because we're <laughs> oh, continuously the merch. growing. The <laughs> merch, then, Devin, the merch. Yeah, and, and make sure to, to buy, buy some Blue Chip Scouting merch as well. Uh, that can be found on bluechipscouting.com as well. Is there anything that I missed, Nick? Uh, Not really. All right, cool. Really. <laughs> like I said, we're, we're continuing to grow. Uh, like I said, subscribe to our podcast on Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast on Apple or Spotify. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, You're listening to this uh, on Monday. So enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll see you guys next week.